discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today I'm sitting down with Joe Telcott, a truly entertaining public speaker, a marvellous mentor and a world-renowned marketer. But more importantly, Joe is a champion of creativity in marketing and advertising. It's his passion for providing marketers with the skills and practical tools they need to succeed that led him to co-founding the business Createism. Welcome, Joe Telcott. Thank you, Darren. It's fun to be on your uh, on your platform here. <laughs> well, look, uh, Joe, we've known each other uh, a number of years. Let's not go into the exact amount because I think uh, it'll do neither of us uh, justice. <laughs> but uh, terrific to have you on. And the reason that uh, I contacted you was because of an article I read in a lot of the trade media about briefing and and I know because of your passion for you know, the the role and, and value of creativity that uh, briefing was so important well I, I think one of the motivations for me uh, uh, being passionate about briefing is that my first job in marketing was as a copywriter um, working for a small agency in the midwestern part of, of the US and I I quite enjoyed uh, doing that, but um, as I as I uh, went beyond and looked back at that time, I realized that um, when I actually figured out what a creative brief was, actually, uh, I realized that I'd been writing my own. I wasn't getting one from the client, and uh, I de- discovered later that that wasn't that uncommon. What um, inspired me after that is that uh, my my view is that to get the best work out of a out of a creative person is to uh, give them you know a pretty tight brief on what you're trying to achieve Um, and uh, when done correctly that ends up being uh, very positive for the person responding to the brief and to the marketer who's trying to obviously build their business uh, based on marketing communication. Regrettably, what I found uh, as time went on, and I've worked in a number of different places and saw um, different people uh, going, different people addressing this brief in different ways. I found that there were a lot of potholes uh, that uh, were just popping up all over the place that prevented uh, great work from eventuating out of the process that they had in place and uh, and I think that's still going on today uh, but I I've always had uh, a fond spot for uh, writing briefs and and uh, and for responding to them and I think it's not you know it's it's not a difficult process to explain uh, however getting it right uh, can be quite difficult and I, I'm sure that's one of the reasons that uh, we see that a lot of people just aren't bothering with it. Uh, Joe, it's interesting that you say you enjoy the process because I do know a lot of marketers struggle with briefs. Mm -hmm. You know, they really struggle with, well, what's the purpose and what should I include and what shouldn't I include? And, you know, I think it's a little bit is they feel that they're going to be judged on Mm -hmm. their brief. 
And so, you know, to be judged by someone else can be incredibly intimidating. What is it about the, the briefing process that you particularly enjoy? Or what's the mindset that helps you enjoy it? Well, I, I suppose the part of the brief, which oftentimes uh, is, is missing in ones that I've read, is in a sense, um, a detective's work. And what I mean is that you look at the, all of the things that are affecting your business and, and the project that you're you know, in, the, in the middle of trying to brief somebody on. And I, I think that the, the, the most exciting part for me is discovering an insight that leads to uh, a great piece of work at the end because you, you hit on what was, uh, what was driving your potential customers either to use you or not use you and giving a creative team something that is really, uh, really meaty that they can get their heads around and then execute hopefully in a, in a wonderful way that taps into that insight that results in um, people you know, agreeing to uh, agreeing with the communication to act in the way that you wanted them to. And uh, look, when I started out, like most most other people, I uh, I didn't even know uh, how you'd find. I didn't even know what an insight was, really. <laughs> but then to figure out how to uh, how to find them uh, uh, was a process. And oftentimes, in some of the accounts that I worked for you know, there wasn't an insight inside. You'd just get a ream of data and uh, expect that somehow that was going to end up in a in a, a good piece of creative work. And oftentimes, you know, it didn't. So that's the part of it which I enjoy the most, Aaron, is is kind of sifting through things and saying, you know, what what is it in here that uh, uh, that we could use and that would be powerful at the end because people don't even may not even realize that that's how they're they're responding to your your communications but you've nailed something I mean I'm reminded of an uh, yeah. of an old campaign going back now probably over 20 years uh, done, uh, done by uh, Goodby Silverstein uh, for the milk board in California and the the insight that their work ended up being based on was the fact that uh, in California, people in their cars driving home and oftentimes um, uh, not having any milk at home, right? And uh, I get home and not have it. And so they did a great, you know, a, a, uh, at least initially outdoor campaign with just two words, got milk with the question mark. Now, you know, uh, I think a lot of people would look at it and said, well, you know, you know, what kind of creative is that? And what it was, was very powerful creative based on a simple insight that people driving home oftentimes don't have milk in the fridge. <laughs> I think it's a campaign that's still running in some places. So that's, I, I recognize the power of that if you get it right. Yeah, the, there was an element to that too, Joe, and I remember it so uh, so well, which was the milk moustache. That's know, that right. Thing yeah. That when you have a glass of milk, it leaves a, uh, a, a your top lip covered in in uh, the remnants of the milk, which is such a memory of childhood for most people. You know, I yeah. think in uh, California, in the US, in most Western countries, milk is an essential part. It'd be interesting to see how that campaign would run in Asia, where, of course, milk is not right. uh, traditionally part of the diet. 
And, and so I think that's the other thing because people struggle with this idea of insights. Mm -hmm. But insights are often something that are deep, can be deeply embedded mm -hmm. in the culture of your audience or in the psyche of the audience, can't they? Absolutely. And I think um, I remind people that I talk to that an insight is almost always out of sight, at least on the surface. And that's why, that's why I describe it as kind of detective work to figure out what's really going on in your potential customers' minds or in the, in the way that they act or behave or believe that you could tap into um, that results in, you know, your product or service providing a solution to, you know, that, that comes from that, that doesn't just come from the fact that 35% of people don't use our product or, you know, uh, some a dry statistic, which really doesn't tell you much about, uh, it doesn't answer the question why. Uh, briefs, yeah. briefs uh, very often contain all kinds of data on the what question, but the why question is really the most important one and the one that is often missing in the brief. So um, uh, I think that you know, for for marketers and for creatives, if you get it right, um, it, it's it's exciting to work on because you're you're trying to solve the mystery. And uh, if, if you get it right and solve the mystery, uh, the uh, the results can be quite uh, quite beneficial to uh, your your own career and, and to your client's business. Yeah. So, Joe, I'm sitting here listening to you, and I, I'm stuck on this vision of you as a detective, and I'm not quite sure which detective you are. Are you Sherlock Holmes with the deer stalker and the uh, <laughs> The pipe, or are you Columbo in the rumpled rain jacket? <laughs> yeah. or, you know, do you have a particular uh, detective persona that you uh, embrace when you're looking for these insights? Uh, I haven't, but I appreciate the question. I, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting in a way that, that you, you you mentioned that. I, I, first of all, I'll answer quickly. I, I would probably more be more the Columbo than I'd be Sherlock, um, but. Uh, I recently uh, started reading some books, and I, uh, I'm a person that actually reads books uh, by listening to them. I'm a, I'm a great Audible fan, and uh, they came out with a, a particular offer that had all the Sherlock Holmes stories um, for uh, basically one credit on Audible. And so I listened to all of them. And uh, what I, you know, I always knew of Sherlock. He's the most, you know. Um, referenced kind of detective and used across the world in so many different ways but to read the uh, the actual stories uh for the first time for me was just marvelous because the author was incredible at um at spinning these tales out and uh i i didn't make the connection to writing a creative brief as i read them but i probably will now that you've mentioned it then. so um, <laughs> that's the fun part now, Joe, because, I mean, I imagine there's quite a few marketers that don't have that sort of uh, passion, desire, interest in being a, a detective, you know, in, sure. in really trying to weasel out the insight. Mm. Um, and a lot of them uh, then default to or they're given a template to fill in, and I'm sure you yep. have seen as many of these as I have. Um and the danger with them, you know, because they can be useful, but like any template, you know, it, it can also default to just ticking the boxes or or putting a few words in each one and saying, well, that, the job's done, isn't it? Yes, and I think, look, at I, I, there's a place for templates, as you point out. 
but um, what I've kind of come around to is that uh, any creative brief template should include um, one, uh, well, should end up with kind of a, a key proposition. You know, what what is it that we, you know, want to want to get to? But that proposition needs to be based on an insight. There should be a place on that on that um, on that document that says what's you know what's the insight? What can we what can we use uh, to get there? And as I said, that that is the hardest part of it. It's easy to put down when the when the thing is going to run and. When, you know, what kind of uh, channels you're going to be used to promoting this. It's much more difficult to say, why should somebody buy this product? And um, when you get that, and, and, and then you turn it over to talented creative people to turn that into compelling, interesting, memorable uh, marketing communications, that's, you know, that's when you win. And, uh, uh, I know from experience in talking to uh, to lots of people uh, that are in the area and uh, tasked with writing these that it's very often missed, either because of the pressure on uh, marketers to just keep turning things out in their in their day to day, or the fact that they're uncomfortable uh, going into that space. Um, you know, there are lots of, lots of reasons that. Uh, uh, that creatives end up just getting uh, a document that's pretty bland and that they have to, you know, uh, do the work that I think the marketer actually should be doing. Then the creatives can turn an insight into, into great, great comms. Sorry, Joe, uh, you, you just again triggered a thought, you know, my, my four-year-old boys love uh, ABC Kids and there's a show on there called uh, Noddy the Toyland Detective and the, right. the jingle that introduces it says, who, what, where, when, how, let's investigate now. And it, it took me back to, you know, perhaps this is as simple as the, um, the uh, template or the yeah. brief needs to be. Well, yeah, I, I, think, uh, I, th- I think you're right, Darren. I think the, the, the template uh, should be quite simple. It's filling it in, that, you know, in, those, in the yeah. tough parts that, that should be the difficult part, and rightly so, in, in a sense, um, because if it, it was obvious, you wouldn't have to write the brief. Um, you know, I talk about uh, to marketers about writing the brief, that you're writing the brief to two audiences. Um, one are the, the, the people that you want to buy your product or service, and that, that one is pretty obvious, but the second is the creative people that are going to be reading your brief. And uh, having been one myself <laughs> uh, early on in my career, yeah. I know that getting a ream of paper full of uh, Excel spreadsheets is not particularly motivating um, to, uh, to creative people. So the, I, that's why I think it's the, the marketer's job to decode that information and get it down to something that pe- people, the creative people can, uh, can use. I spoke with one uh, one agency that said that they take the briefs that they were getting back from their clients, and in the creative department, they would just put them on a bulletin board, and they'd they'd let uh, the creatives choose which brief they were going to write uh, write to. Uh, so they weren't they weren't assigned specifically to a client to, to be working on. And what happened was that the best creatives chose the best briefs, <laughs> and so my advice to the uh, the marketer was 
you know, write a write a great brief that appeals to the people that are going to be creating this work, and you're going to get you're going to get better talent on the project. Yeah, I've always found that uh, you know, being a, a creative uh, for 15 years myself, what creative people love is a big juicy problem, you know, and and a well articulated problem because then you can focus on the solution. You know, if someone's done the work of defining the problem very clearly, mm-hmm. it's almost like the solution offers itself to you. And then the role of the creative is not to solve, uh, define the problem, but just come up with the best solutions. Because, of course, to every brief, there should be potentially an infinite number of solutions sure. of which there will be a handful that are just you know, mind-blowingly amazing. Yeah. And that's one of the things that you're looking for those really big problems to solve, aren't you? Yeah, I, th- I think you put it well there, and that there are there are lots of different ways that you can go. Um, you know, even with a single problem, um, but but a um, yeah, I can't I can't I can't remember who said this, but you know, there's a relatively famous quote that that says a problem well defined is a problem half solved. And whilst I agree with that, the the well defined is the easy part. Right? <laughs> it's the solving which which still remains difficult. But if it's not if it's not defined at all, then you know you, you know you don't have much uh, you don't have much hope in getting to where you think you want to go on that path because you've left it open uh, to a creative team that can go anywhere because you you haven't defined what you're really trying to solve and um, uh, I don't know that it, we're going around on this on the same issue there, but it, it's the one that I think is probably the most important as far as writing, writing that brief. Um, and I've, I've been in situations um, where uh, I've, writ- I've written a brief and uh, for, uh, for advertising and it's come back and it just, it, it just wasn't, you know, what I was getting to review just didn't seem to be making it. And uh, in the end, uh, I realized that it was, it was just a bad brief. <laughs> So uh, uh, I rebriefed it along with the help from my team. We went back to the agency again with, with the new brief, and it resulted in advertising that was uh, compelling, relevant, motivating, and uh, most important, uh, uh, financially successful uh, for the campaign. So uh, sometimes uh, a marketer can work very hard on writing a brief um, and still have to come back as I did and say, you know what, that's not working. I've got to, I've got, I've got to take another stab at it. And Joe, when you've uh, put so much time and effort and thought into writing a brief, what's your feeling about then collaborating with the agency and getting their input or do you get their input during that process of uh, writing the brief? What, From a personal perspective, what do you think is better? Um, well, I... Uh, the, 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 the way of working that I found to be most effective was to first uh, write the brief uh, without, without talking to the agency, um, and, but then delivering the brief in person to, to the team that, that you're working with and having a discussion about it. And, and believe me, Darren, I learned a lot from that process on things that I'd missed or, you know, questions I hadn't, hadn't answered, you know, uh, uh, even insights coming from, you know, jumping uh, uh, to the creative people, insights coming from those people saying, well, you, you might have missed this. So I think it, I think in the end, 
the best work can come from a positive collaboration between, um, in a sense, client and agency, where they both recognize the skills and talents that um, each group possess and, and bring it together for, for a good outcome. Um, and, you know, I used to, um, uh, used to have a, a formula, if you will, that I, that I used to evaluate the creative that came back. And uh, it was a kind of a two question uh, formula that I got from a, from a creative director, agency creative director. And uh, the two questions were, uh, number one, is it on strategy? So obviously the strategy needs to be part of your brief. Uh, if it's yes, you go to question two. And question two is, do I love it? <laughs> right? um, and it seems simple, but it worked pretty well for me. And I had, I had the chance now a couple of years ago to sit down with um, Keith Reinert, who was um, a legendary creative at uh, DDB. And uh, I was relating that story to him. And, and he looked at me and said, Joe, let me challenge you on that. <laughs> I said, okay. And he said, uh, I, might flip, uh, I might flip the two questions and start with, do I love it? And then ask, is it on strategy? And if it's not on strategy, perhaps we can create a strategy that will make it work. And, uh, <laughs> but what was interesting is he gave me a very good example. He said he, he was, uh, his, he had a creative team working on the, uh, uh, the U.S. beer brand Budweiser. And uh, they came in with an idea um, that was based on just something that the, the people working on, on the advertising did. They, they would call each other. Uh, and uh, when they would talk to them, they would start with this phrase, was up. And uh, they turned that into an amazingly <laughs> successful campaign for Budweiser um, without, without a strategy document, right? other than, hey, we want to sell more Bud. And so I, I, I had to, in a sense, um, check my own uh, rigidity in, in how that works. And whilst, um, you know, the idea of saying, well, I love it, so I'm changing the strategy uh, seems, uh, uh, seems quite outlandish in some ways. It, uh, the example that I got was a good case of it working extraordinarily well. So we've got to be a bit flexible. Well, and, and part of that is really understanding the role of creativity, mm. isn't it? Which is sometimes a creative idea can spontaneously come from working on another problem. Yes. And then working out if it's relevant to your business needs and act, or your marketing needs and driving it. You know, it's, it's, it, I, I always think saying you retrofit the strategy to the idea is, is incredibly dangerous <laughs> unless you've got a real rigor to strategy, yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, certainly, you know, it's an opportunity for uh, taking advantage of what seems to just magically appear spontaneously from the creative process. Well, I think, you know, you, you hit on a good point. And I think um, one, of the, one of the fundamental uh, parts of creativity is at least from my experiences and working with, with some very creative people, is to have um, your mind open to all kinds of different elements and different combinations of things that um, result 
in some type of uh, of creative work. Um, uh, you know, somebody uh, once said that uh, idea an idea is nothing more or less than a new combination of old elements. And um, that being, if if that be true, then one of the things that creative people, uh, the, good, the good ones, do is they fill their brain with different elements. <laughs> And they're interested in all kinds of different things, and I'm sure you, you, you uh, probably like that yourselves, and certainly have experienced it. So that when you get down to, you know, uh, a formal brief, and it says we need to do this or that, and here's an insight, you have you have a better chance of coming up with something that's quite interesting because you've just been interested in lots of different things in in the world. So yeah, the reason for the conversation. Joe, is because there was some research done recently through the IPA by a group called uh, Better Briefs okay, and uh, a, a, a Melbourne-based uh, strategy group. And uh, they, they surveyed about 17,000 marketers and agencies around the world. And they were asking marketers, you know, how well they thought they did the brief, their briefing. And, you know, it may not surprise you that around 80% thought they did a fabulous job at briefing, <laughs> but around 10% of their agencies <laughs> thought they did a, a fabulous job at briefing. There's this huge gap right. in perception between uh, clients and agencies, um, which which is a worry because yeah. if you don't, on the basis of you don't know what you don't know, it infers that there's a lot of marketers out there that think they're doing fabulous briefs but their agencies actually think they're shot. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen uh, seen that, but I'm not surprised uh, because I, I think that the businesses that are in the job of marketing their, 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 their products in, in a way of, that we're talking about oftentimes have a, you know, a formula for uh, writing a brief, which they've, um, you know, poured over, uh, uh, with lots of hours and lots of people giving input to it, and um, without without picking any of them out because I, I I wouldn't be able to, but I think part of it it does come back to what I said earlier is that is is the two audiences you you have to write um, to the creative team to inspire them, and I think that may be where that gap is coming. Um, again, if you get if you're a writer or an art director and you get a ream of paper and data and then say, well, you know, come on, let's uh, turn this into wonderful, inspiring and effective advertising. Uh, that's a pretty big job. And, uh, and you know, you're, you're relying on creative people in a sense to be doing a strategist or a marketer's uh, a role of first going through that data and coming out with something that can translate into a motivation for a potential customer to part with their money for your product or service. And um, I think the more that can be streamlined to the creatives, the the better chance you have of getting inspiring work. Yeah. Uh, Look, uh, it may not surprise you, but uh, Bob Hoffman, the ad contrarian, commented on the research he said it was all, you know, all briefing is bullshit and uh, the best brief is one line. And as I was reading that in uh, Bob's newsletter, I, I was recalling a, a group account director in an agency in, let's say, Asia, um, who 
showed me a text message or actually a WhatsApp message that they received from their client on Friday night at 7.30pm, which said, need ad Monday, first up, sell more and then product. And that was the brief. No budget, nothing. It was a WhatsApp message. I felt like saying to Bob, is this the one line that makes the perfect brief? <laughs> wow. Look at I. I I am not surprised to hear that, uh, I must say. Um, in the places I've been, you know, uh, over the past many years, uh, I've seen I've seen a few of those. We need an ad by Monday uh, uh, briefs. And uh, I just can't, you know, it, it just uh, flabbergasts me on how you think that's going to result in uh, uh, something that, you know, is going to be effective. Not that it probably, not that it maybe maybe doesn't uh, occasionally, but boy, talk about giving a uh, a bad start to the process. Mm. Yeah, it, it was interesting because this uh, group account director, we, we were actually benchmarking the agency's productivity, and what we could actually see was that the agency was spending huge amount of hours backfilling the lack of any sort of thinking the client did. Yeah. I mean, the client was literally in reactive mode, spitting out uh, commands and orders yeah. without any sort of strategic thinking or, or any sort of consideration. Yeah. And in it was more than doubling the agency's workload in time to produce the, the same amount of work. You know, yeah. Literally, it was doubling the agency's cost wow. and ultimately the client's cost well, because of this lack of thinking. Darren, it, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier, a little bit about this partnership between agency and and uh, and client. And, you know, I, I worked uh, for a big multinational uh, business where that partnership was uh, a part of the ethos of, of the business. And uh, when I was uh, uh, consulting to, as, as uh, representing the, the, the marketer in this case around the world, I found it interesting. I could walk into um, uh, a conference room filled with people that worked for the business and people that worked for the agency. And it was difficult to tell who was who. There, there was such a, uh, a partnership and cohesion, all working uh, to solve the same problems or to create new opportunities, and I think that's uh, if you can if you can do that, you're going to be more effective than if you uh, act in the way that you just described. That the you know the uh, the marketers are the are the taskmasters, and uh, you know just uh, continuing to uh, request more work and 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 critique it. Um, so. You have to respect each other's well, talents what? in that kind of situation because they're not everybody's not the same. But uh, I just found it to be a much better way of working. What you're describing there, Joe, though, is an interesting uh, you know relationship because you know I often wonder why there is an expectation between marketers and advertising agencies that the marketer should have a brief in the format that the agency, first of all, desires or wants and in a way that's uh, exciting and inspirational to the creatives. Because when I look at other, you know, professional services that I've dealt with over my career, you know, when I go to a lawyer, they don't ask me to fill in a brief (laughs) 
for their services, they'll sit down and they'll actually ask questions and they'll yeah. listen and they'll ask me to provide evidence of, you know, or can I provide evidence for the various aspects while they work out what they, that they can best do for me. If I go to my accountant, you know, they'll ask a, a whole lot of questions to really understand my business and, and my particular problem that has me sitting there, my uh, financial advisor. My God, my doctor, you know, I go to the doctor. He doesn't ask me if I've already undertaken the MRI and the blood test. He will actually, or she, will ask lots of questions. Yes. And why doesn't the same process work with advertising agencies and their clients? Because it seems to me that the owner shouldn't be on the marketer, mm. that the owner should be on the agency and the marketer should be open to participating in the, this process because they want the best solution possible. Yeah, look, I think that's a, I think that's a very interesting and good point, Darren. It's, um, uh, and I think I've seen over the years uh, uh, relationships that uh, uh, start to approach that, but never to the degree that you've described as far as, you know, going to your surgeon and, and <laughs> telling him, you know, where to cut. Um, but it's... Um, you know, I just I just come back to the fact that the, the business that we're in is uh, is it can, it can be at its best very collaborative and, and, and tearing down these walls between uh, all the different disciplines that are in both both businesses, all with the same goal. And um, you know, if if you could get to the point where you know the the agency comes and and um, uh, kind of flip flip that model around and talks to the uh, the client about the, the problems and what they've seen. I mean that's uh, that's one that doesn't happen very often, but uh, the way you've described it, it, it seems like it, it there's probably certainly an opportunity to do that. And look at lots of agencies have you know what used to be called. Uh, planners or insight managers or, or whatever that would be sitting in in the room, you know, in a discussion like that. But uh, to get it um, to completely flip it on its head would be um, it could be interesting. I did read something somewhere that said, "Well, who should write the brief?" And the the cheeky answer was the person that has most to lose if it goes wrong, right? And um, uh, you know, whilst Oftentimes, the finger gets pointed at uh, an agency for, you know, you know the the the, mark, the the communications didn't work or whatever it is. Um, if you take a step backwards and you find find out that it was briefed incorrectly, well, then it's hard hard to uh, just point the finger at the agency and probably vice versa. To your point, mm. I um I also uh, and you touched on it earlier, Joe, in that the brief is not just about starting the process. It's actually then about judging the work that comes back. But I personally think that it has a role beyond that mm. because it also has a place in selling the work internally mm. as the marketer. You know, that often, you know, you'll be in a position of you've briefed this work, It's the agency's come back with a great idea, but, you, you know, it's a great idea because it actually makes you a little bit uncomfortable in your stomach. You know, there's yeah. a bit of excitement, the adrenaline of, you know, this would be amazing if we get it across the line. Yeah. But then having the brief to structure the way you present it rather than just saying, well, here's the ad, yeah. what do you think of it? 
yeah. to then take use the brief to take the audience, whether it's the CEO or the board uh-huh. or just other, you know, the sales director or whoever else you need to get on board with this this concept. Take them through the briefing as a almost as the story of why this is the best idea possible. Have you seen that work? Yeah, I, I have seen. It. I mean, I um, I spent, uh, as you know, a lot of times working for McDonald's, and the uh, the creative work was always presented to the group of franchisees in a particular market, and we'd always start out with what you know what the brief was for that uh, for that in to to try to do exactly what you said. Uh, now, there's no question that some people. Um, uh, didn't like it or, you know, thought that it was uh, on the wrong track, but, but they heard the rationale. And uh, in most cases, uh, the rationale was well thought out and, you know, and, and could be executed. Now in, in uh, defense of my, my old employer, I thought that they, uh, they made a very a good decision to say that there was going to be no, uh, even even though this group of, of franchisees would vote on all kinds of different things um, having to do with marketing, they had no say in what the actual uh, creative looked like in the end. Well, they had a say, but they, they couldn't uh, take a decision on it that would say we're not going to not going to run that um, uh, just because of the diversity of opinions and and the like. But I think that um, I think they they did understand the process and before we would show any any work we would go through you know here, here's how we got to where we're going with it and that um, to your point that leads to a better understanding by the people that are going to have to be living with this and delivering on the promises made in the communications and uh, the fact is uh, if they're not first if they don't understand it that's a problem if they don't like it it's probably uh, a problem as well in that the execution might not be as good and the two things have to have to work together yeah I, I'm reminded of a story about remember the uh, whole proof commercial ants pants it was voted that one of the top Australian commercials for um, for uh, the 20th century, which is a big, uh, <laughs> it's a, a big call. You know, it was in, I think it was in the top five or something. Yeah. But um, for holdproof, and Jack Geddes was the uh, the account director at the uh, the Campaign Palace, and he was given the creative. You know, they they explained it how it met the brief, yeah. and, you know, and and for those that don't know it, it's got this uh, woman, young. You know, very attractive woman. It's uh, obviously re- very hot where she is. She's only in her underwear and she's lying on a bed and there's ants crawling across her uh, lower abdomen and there's an echidna and she says, sick em, Rex, and then you just cut to the product shot with her giggling in the background. So except Jack was faced with presenting this to, at the time, a group of senior executives at Holproof that were all middle-aged men. And so earlier, when you said the first question is, do I like it? Or the second, one of the questions that you said was, do I like it? He was terrified (laughs) that they weren't the target audience. So whether they liked it or not was largely irrelevant because this was written for teenage and young women. And uh, who, who, and the ad had been written by young women as well, you know, so they were right in that sweet spot of the, the target audience. So what he did, and I thought this was brilliant, yeah. his, he presented a whole lot of 
uh, media aimed at that age group mm. to remind these men who would be approving it that this is the target audience. This is what they're seeing. This is what they're watching. This is what they're paying for. This is what they're doing. Now here's the ad. Mm. Yeah. And he sold it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, to me, that is not just salesmanship, but it's using the brief yeah. as, a, as a structure to present creative work beyond someone's personal tastes or, you know, especially if they're not the target audience. Well, and, you know, good on them for, um, for actually um, uh, going through that process or good on him uh, going through that process so that they'd understand, you know, what was going on and, you know, uh, that they agreed to do it is also, a, you know, a, 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 good, a good outcome. Yeah. Look, um, Joe, one of the other things that uh, bothers me is the number of times we've benchmarked agency resources. And the problem is that the client, the marketers are using the briefing process to actually test the strategy. Um, and so there's iteration of, of briefing, getting creative back, changing the brief. You know, uh, it's it's not the ideal way, is it? No, it isn't. And of I, working. Explain to me that just a little bit more, Darren, on how they're how, how that twist is, is going on? So, you know, the, the client may be not completely sure what their strategy should be. Uh, you know, okay. they have a problem, they've defined the problem. So they'll put a brief into the agency and when they get the work back, it helps them work out from the creative whether they had, they're on the right strategy and they'll use that to then modify the brief and then go back in and and, and look, apart from the financial cost of that, it right. has a huge emotional cost on the agency and particularly the creative people yeah. who find themselves doing idea after idea on slightly different briefs. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, on the one hand, um, I think, well, another point of view is it can always be helpful, but probably not in that, in that formal uh, process. And I also believe that the, the client has to own the strategy. I mean, that's, um, that, that's uh, it's their business and um, their job to determine how they're going to uh, try to accomplish whatever objective is that they're going after. And, and um, I would be reluctant to flip that to the agency and say, well, what do you think you know, our strategy should be? Um, so, yeah, if, if that happens and they're, you know, just, in a sense, saying, "Well, bring me lots of ideas, and I'll, you know, I'll reach into that and pick one," um, and maybe that'll make us, uh, you know, reconsider the way that we're marketing. Um, I think is, well, probably um, lazy at best, you know, and um, and really just uh, just it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense to me if you're if you're in that role yeah. that you'd be doing it that way. <laughs> It's a bit of a cop out, and haven't they heard of market research? <laughs> God forbid! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there would be somebody else. Joe Telcott. <laughs> Joe Telcott, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time and having a conversation today. Yeah. Um, Creatism is a uh, a company that you uh, partner with. Uh, your your partner is Stacy Thorpe, yep. and you help actually clients and agencies with problems like this, don't you? We do. That's, uh, that's kind of what we've uh, decided to do as we've left, left uh, both of us have left corporate life. 
um, for the, the greener pastures of, <laughs> of uh, hopefully being able to have relationships with individual business clients and help them uh, in the area of marketing, uh, you know, create uh, programs that deliver higher sales and profits. Well, wishing you both uh, huge and continued success with that. Look, just before you go, I've got a uh, I've got a question, and it's because you hear you know a lot of people say that our oh, marketing today is is not as good as it was you know a few years ago. But from your perspective and and thinking globally, who's the most inspiring marketer for you today? Mm-hmm.